National Association for the Visual Arts is the peak body protecting and promoting the professional interests of the Australian visual arts. Nava in Conversation is a series exploring the issues and challenges of working in the sector. We speak with artists, curators and administrators to gain insight into the experiences of contemporary practice and seek to propose ideas for change, progress and resilience in both local and global contexts. This is Esther Anatolitas, I'm the Executive Director of NAVA and as part of our In Conversation series today we get to have a nice long conversation uh, with Erica Green from the Adelaide Biennial. Erica, hi, thanks for being here. Hi Esther, lovely to um, chat today. Well, the Biennial has been open for a while now and like, well, I think like many of our listeners, I haven't had a chance to visit yet and I will be there soon, so I'm really looking forward to it. Um, so tell us, first of all, um, how, how is Adelaide responding? How is the city, how is the people feeling, how are people feeling about this year's Biennial? I think there's been a terrific response to the Adelaide Biennial. It um, is certainly a key feature in Adelaide and it generates a huge amount of publicity both locally and nationally. And the biennial coincides with the Adelaide Festival. It opens um, on the 3rd of March which was the first Friday of the Adelaide Festival and indeed the Adelaide Festival uh, artistic directors Rachel Healy and Neil Armfeld uh, spoke at the launch of the biennial and of course as you know the Adelaide Festival is a huge event, um, cultural event in Adelaide and it's wonderful that the biennial can continue beyond the Adelaide Festival. It is such a massive time, it's something that Adelaide so proudly opened itself up to and, and, and welcomes visitors from around Australia, from around the world, um, showcases artists and um, artistic performances, exhibitions, um, experiences in so many different ways. And I guess the, the, the biennial is um, unique in Australia but also um, in that Adelaide context, in that um, internationally welcoming context in being a biennial of, of Australian art. Um, tell us how important it is to be able to identify those artists in Australia at any given time um, whose voices and whose work we need to we need to see in such a such a showcase I guess of, of Australian art as is the Adelaide Biennial focus. The Biennial is one of the um, key national events that does uh, profile as you said Australian art and I think one of the um, really good aspects of the biennial is that it is now um, presented just before the Sydney Biennale and a consequence of that is that there are a number of international visitors who come to Australia and they can then see the international Sydney Biennale and then fly down to Adelaide for the day and have a look at the Adelaide Biennial which is a focus on Australian art and artists and at the moment uh, the Adelaide Biennial 
um, along with the National, are the only two sort of major exhibitions that really look at what is happening in Australian contemporary art practice now in a very ambitious way. And I think that that's extremely important to provide showcases of what is happening in, in uh, contemporary art practice at any particular place and time. And that was certainly something I was very focused on in the development of the Adelaide Biennial was looking at that, those ideas of recognising that the Adelaide Biennial is presented in Adelaide at a particular place, that's Adelaide, and at a particular time, and also the fact that the Biennial is presented as part of the Adelaide Festival. It's absolutely critical, as you say, that we take these moments, that we take not only these reflective moments, but these big, rigorous uh, opportunities to, to reflect on, um, on on Australian art now, on Australian artists now, and um, what, what artists are thinking and doing and making um, as, as, um, as individuals, and then the way that we might characterise um, Australian art at the moment, and in um, in titling the biennial "Divided World," you've already given us, you know, a bit of an, an in um, to to really think about um, a proposition, I guess, that that, that artists are opposing. But in framing that, tell us a bit about, I guess, that rigor, that focus on how do you even start to approach what you want to say. Um, as the artistic director, about the state of the arts right now. Look, that's a that's a very uh, good question, and I think it's um, a key challenge for anyone really approaching an Adelaide Biennial. Is I guess there's two parts to that. Is one is really looking at the idea of or perhaps shaping a thematic for the Biennial, and that sort of brings into play, well, are you going to be commenting on what is happening in contemporary art practice today? And I think it's extremely important, um, both for artists and participating in, an, in a big exhibition like an Adelaide Biennial is hugely important to artists in terms oh, yeah. of their career and their practice. And, you know, it, it does represent an important time in their practice and it's a time when um, artists, and I know this um, very particularly for the Adelaide Biennial, is that nearly all the artists who I invited to participate in the Biennial all said, you know, Erica, this is a huge opportunity for me in my practice, and I'm just going to put absolutely everything into the work that I'm making for the Biennial. And other, other comments were that, you know, th this opportunity represents sort of the culmination of the last sort of 10, 20, 30 years of my practice Amazing. and you know I really want to make a, a, a very strong statement about that. So yes the biennial is hugely important and I think that you are very conscious of looking at all of those sorts of ideas in terms of um, how you frame the biennial and, and what you say about, about contemporary art today. And that brings um, out that, that, that twin commitment, I guess. There's um, um, exactly as you just put that, the way that artists prize the importance um, 
the, the opportunity. And so there's there's um, that sense then in your role um, of what you're offering and the and the commitment that is made to to honour um, the importance that each artist places on that. Um, so again, that sort of you know reflecting on artists as as individuals and 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 what they are going to offer, and then zooming out to um, the exhibition as a whole or the biennial as a whole. Um, it's a it's a big challenge, I think. It's a, it's a it's a tantalising challenge for any artistic director. Look, it's it, absolutely it, it it's very daunting, and you know <laughs> you do feel the sort of weight and the responsibility upon you. And also, I think it's it's not only a very sort of key event for for the artists and and curator. Obviously, it's also important for the participating uh, venues and for the 2018 biennial. There was the Art Gallery of South Australia, of course, which hosts the biennial, and as well, there were a number of other uh, presenting partners: the Jam Factory, Samstag Museum of Art and also the Adelaide Botanic Garden. And in 2018, for the first time, we um, partnered with the Mercury Cinema to present a film program that was drawn on films that had influenced the participating artists in their, in their practice and also played on the ideas around... Um, the exhibition sort of around concepts around the exhibition of divided worlds. Um, the other thing I perhaps should um, mention too that is a huge consideration too, and that's the other world of you know the visitors who come to the exhibition and really looking at, at you know making uh, the biennial something that people coming to the coming to the exhibition. We'll, we'll find engaging and we'll say something to them about contemporary art and furthermore give, it, I, you know, one of the my objectives was to give everyone who came to the biennial something that would engage them, be they, you know, a young person, an old person, a seasoned art veteran or someone who perhaps this was their very first encounter with contemporary visual art. And that's one of the extraordinary things about um, a festival in general, but a biennial in particular, is that there are so many people who will be making that encounter for the first time, possibly, hopefully, even visiting Adelaide for the first time. But also, and I think this is one of the thrilling things about a biennial, is that you create a first-time experience for people who've lived in Adelaide for a long, long time. So all the venues you've just described, um, there are extraordinary opportunities to reframe that sense of place, that sense of, you know, traversing through a city um, and that sense of what an institution makes possible, um, whether it is a museum or, or, a, or a garden, uh, the sense of museum's economic botany, a whole range of, of, of places. Um, I imagine that must have informed your thinking in some, in some really exciting ways. Oh, it is. And, you know, I think all the um, participants in the biennial, we're all putting our best foot forward. Mm. And, you know, Adelaide is an ideal city for a multi-venue um, art exhibition. It's flat for a start. <laughs> you and, get on your bike. <laughs> um, yeah, very easy to ride a bike. And, you know, all the streets go north, south or east, west. So it's very easy to navigate. 
and um, it wasn't quite ready for the 2018 Adelaide Festival, but it should be um, up and running for the next festival, is that the tram will be running the full length of North Terrace. So it means mm. that you can jump on the tram at Sandstag and then hop off at um, the Art Gallery of South Australia, which is almost like the heart for the exhibition, and then continue down to the, the west end of North Terrace, sorry, the east end of North Terrace, which is the Adelaide Botanic Gardens. So, you know, in terms of a multi-venue um, art exhibition, it's very, very easy to sort of navigate and the, there is the, the geography actually connects the um, all the different partners in a very sort of close way and that makes it quite easy to curate um, an exhibition for, for, you know, a big biennial exhibition that's across a number of venues. And mm. I guess that's an advantage over, um, you know, say Sydney where it's uh, much more hilly and I think, I suppose the other thing, just probably it's worth noting um, with the Adelaide Biennial and particularly at this point in time is that the Art Gallery of South Australia is embarking on a new um, uh, Adelaide Contemporary Museum uh, to be built. And, ah, yes. you know, the making sure that the visual arts are um, have a high profile at this this time and particularly now with the change of government here, that's extremely important for contemporary art practice here in Adelaide, I think, to really position the visual arts as a very, very strong and dynamic sort of cultural contributor to the fabric of, of Adelaide and South Australia. That's really going to shift the conversation and, and, um, and have some of these conversations um, uh, be more and more year-round. I think that's one of the great things that the festival's focus on Adelaide um, has has done is to stimulate um, so much great artistic thinking and, and, and collaboration, as well as work that is, you know, with audiences in mind. But to really stretch that out um, in, uh, in in ways that are well beyond that that festival time, which kind of, you know, brings me to. Another way of thinking about that divided world, because you you frame this as troubled times, as um, you know the the ways in which um, we can experience an alternative dimension. Then there's also um, you know there's divisions in in space and time. Um, the way that you can get around Adelaide so much more easily than Sydney or or, or many other cities is is just is a great way to experience a biennial. Um, and then it also um, gives you a, you know, perhaps a very, a, a very different sense of, you know, Adelaide during a festival period and Adelaide not. So you know that mm. that kind of division. Um, how how conscious are you in in um, your curatorial decisions around, I guess, work and venues and audience trajectories that are going to rethink the way that people see their city or see a city, you know, really kind of remaking Adelaide as a city. Um, I was also very conscious of that and I know, um, you know, that was probably one of the starting points for the biennial was mm. to really, you know, I didn't start off with a with a thematic for the exhibition. My starting point really was to sort of think about artists that I thought um, were saying something about the, the, the times that we live in and then really starting a conversation with those artists about 
ideas around place and and history, which are you know very common uh, refrains in our in our milieu. And from that, the discussion with the artists sort of grew and developed, and that led to you know ideas of inviting other artists, and then. Really, the way the biennial came about was through the discussions with artists, and then as those ideas and discussions began to coalesce, so did the ideas for the exhibition around, you know, um, around that idea of, of divided worlds and, and what divided worlds, um, you know, might mean. And I think in terms of place, that was something that was very important. I'm very conscious that. You know, Adelaide is not located on the east coast. It, um, if you sort of think about, you know, where where Adelaide is positioned within the world, you know, it's it's sort of south down in Australia, but then it's west of the south. And you know, there is that, um, I guess, separation um, between a lot of sort of um, activity, art activity, you know, in the east coast, and then I guess if you look over in the in the northern hemisphere as well. So there is that degree of separation, but I think more particularly ideas around place was um, looking at the venues, and that was something I wanted to really um, draw out in some of the selections, artist selections for the biennial. For example, the Jam Factory has had a huge, made a huge contribution to the development of um, craft practice here in Adelaide, but nationally, and I think the craft practitioners that are here based in Adelaide at the moment and looking back in history have been extremely influential and for example quite a number of um, craft practitioners based here in Adelaide actually exhibit regularly overseas, they're represented by Adrian Sassoon and that is really as a consequence or can be um, traced back to the fact that there has been a very long and sustained investment in the jam factory sort of going back to almost 50 years now. Mm. And so I wanted to um, reflect, you know, that, that quality or, or that aspect of what that venue was about in the selection and placement of artists. So that's why um, the, uh, the South Australian artist Kirsten Quelo has got a major installation in, in the jam factory uh, gallery one. Um, in the same way, um, the Art Gallery of South Australia, I think, has one of the finest collections of of art. You know, it really is one of the most beautiful collections here in Australia, in Australia and particularly uh, colonial Australian art. And that was sort of part of my thinking of selecting Patrick Pound, who draws from that collection or the various art galleries' collection. And he's drawn from their Asian collections, their colonial collections, their contemporary collections to produce this marvellous work uh, called The Point of Everything where he's drawn works from the collection that relate to the ideas around the point or you know, pointing, vanishing point and just a wonderful play on, on you know, difference of point, different points of view and all of those sorts of ideas are embodied in his work using works that he has selected from the Art Gallery of South Australia's collection. And in the same way, um, at the Adelaide Botanic Gardens, um, the gardens have never actually commissioned an artist to actually work in, in, the, in the physical space of the gardens. And oh, we amazing. invited um, Tamara Dean, whose work is on the 
cover of the biennial catalogue to undertake a sort of a photo essay over the various seasons of the gallery to develop her work for the biennial, which is exhibited down at the Museum of Economic Botany. And in the same way, the Samstag Museum of Art has had um, a very strong tradition of presenting um, very cutting-edge new media work and work that is sort of edgy with, with a lot of ideas about, you know, current society. So there in, at Samstag, we have a wonderful video work by Angelica Masiti uh, called Mother Tongue and a new work by the Indigenous artist um, Douglas Watkin called A Thin Black Line and um, new, uh, a slightly older work by Amos Gebhardt uh, called The Lovers, which complements a new work that she did especially for the Biennial um, called Evervescence that's at the Art Gallery of South Australia. It's just tremendous, <laughs> the way that you've just put all that. First of all, I'm, 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 I'm seeing myself there, but I'm also just astounded at, I guess, the ambition that, that every artist has been invited to, to draw upon, um, to, to see um, uh, Kirsten Gullo's work at Jam Factory, um, such... Um, there is just such a beauty and a sensitivity to um, to, to her work and to see it um, at that scale of ambition. I think is going to be really important. That that you know quiet, still ceramic as compared to um, um, the world that you inhabit when you step into a Patrick Pound experience, which is just absolutely um, stunning. And then of course. Um, um, uh, you, you mentioned uh, Angelica Masiti's work and that got me to thinking about, um, um, I guess, the place of, um, of women and established female artists in Australia and we also have Patricia Piccinini um, uh, with some work at Art Gallery of the SA, which um, um, I'm also just intrigued to see. Of course, Patricia uh, at the moment also has... Um, um, the big follow show up at um, Goma in, in yeah. Brisbane um, with a range of her work that uh, we would not have had the chance to, to, to see together but work work at scale and uh, also work that is um, uh, smaller, more curious uh, the way that it um, you know, shifts us in our bodies when we, when we experience her work and then of course Angelica um, works in Australia Venice next year, mm. um, which will be really exciting. Mm. Um, and I'm reminded of something that, um, that I had the uh, good fortune of being at um, an event at the VCA a couple of weeks ago that Patricia co-convened, and it was really all about um, uh, the state of the arts and the state of practice um, and sustainability and what makes practice sustainable, what makes artists resilient. And she gave an extraordinary account of... I guess her trajectory um, from uh, collaborating and starting artists around space and sitting the space, you know, really quietly and wondering why no one came and, and, and sort of building up and investing and, and investing that time and, and creating work with others and, and, and creating work herself, to be at the point now where she feels like um, having um, achieved what is in effect a, a, a blockbuster show at one of the state galleries, she feels. Um, excited, but also there's a pessimism that um, 
being a, a female artist in Australia, she simply won't secure another opportunity like Adelaide Biennial or like Goma for probably 10 years. And um, looking at Angelica and Venice and sort of wondering now what, what comes next. Um, as we reflect on divided worlds and the way that we um, consider the gender disparities in the way that artists of different genders are presented in exhibitions and festivals and, and, and represented in, in collections. What, what are your thoughts on what's changing for what um, female and uh, female identifying and genderqueer artists can, can expect in terms of how those opportunities are going to be transformed and I guess also your role um, in championing a, a great diversity of artists through Divided Worlds? Oh, that's a good question. I'll probably now reveal my age, but <laughs> I started working in the in the visual arts when there were a lot of you know quotas that you know with exhibitions. I was at the Australia Council, and you know we were always looking at quotas to make sure that there was a you know good representation of of um, you know women artists in mm. in exhibitions and in funded exhibitions and. Certainly, that was sort of one of the critiques of the early uh, biennales of uh, Sydney about the participation of and the number of women that were included. And, you know, it was interesting with the biennial when I set out. I mean, you know, you're always conscious of, you know, ideas of, of, of gender and, um, you know, having worked in the visual arts, yes, I've come across, you know, um, discrimination. I, well, not really discrimination. I think that's probably unfair, I guess. You know, the other example I could give is that when I first started working in University Art Museum sort of 15 years ago or so, when I started the Samstag Museum, I was the only female um, director. Whereas yeah. now, I think they're nearly all females, apart from a few um, token males. No, I shouldn't say that. But um, <laughs> uh, And the same with the Bionia. Like I think perhaps when I you know, was looking at that, the first couple of artists, there was a an emphasis towards, you know, men, and I said, oh. But then as I went along, it just naturally grew, and there are far more women artists in the Adelaide Biennial uh, than there are male artists. And the number of writers of, uh, by the women writers far exceed the male writers, I think, you know, mm, two to one or mm. something. And that wasn't um, by design, it's just the way uh, the cards fell. And I think that, for me, was extremely heartening to see that, you know, that was the sort of natural way of things, that uh, the exhibition does feature a lot of women artists, a lot of women have written for the catalogue. And, you know, we've also looking at, um, you know, other areas of gender. I think that's one of the sort of underlying ideas behind Amos Gebhardt's work is about gender diversity. And that's one a wonderful thing to, you know, to see. And it is very much about our time now of, of looking at, at accepting that the population is very broad. You know, it is beyond now just those two binaries of, of male and female you know, there's a, there's a lot more and it is about difference and diversity and indeed that is really at the heart of what the Divided Worlds exhibition is about um, rather than looking at sort of binary polarities. It is about our differences and I think that the exhibition and many of the works in the exhibition, they show us that 
that difference is the way things are in the world and it's always and always has been and I think difference is the natural order of, of the world and my sense is that if our complex human civilization is going to find a way forward it will be by understanding our differences and coming to terms with them and really respecting and embracing the, that idea of difference. It's such a good way of putting it because absolutely difference um, is the natural order and as you say something it, it, it's a strength to be celebrated. Difference is generative. Um, we know um, when we work together as artists, when we collaborate um, uh, across any context, it's the generative tensions that uh, that create the new and they are absolutely premised on difference and, and, and yeah. perhaps um, perhaps politically um, when we find ourselves recognizing um, any sort of divided world situation or scenario if we look at global politics if we look at um, how disappointingly easy it is sometimes for politicians or other people in power to um, to cast different groups against each other as though that oppositional, as though the recognition of difference is is a negative, is about excluding others instead of thinking about um, what is, you know, what's productive, what's generative, how, how difference allows us, of course, to reflect on our own identity because without difference, in fact, there is no identity. Absolutely, and I think yeah, mm. you've, you've sort of summarised it. And that, they are many of the ideas that a lot of the artists in the exhibition are really looking at. And I guess that's very much the case of, um, if you look at um, Angelica Masiti's work, Mother Tongue, it really is about embracing differences where she's looking at various different communities that have all um, come to live in a housing estate in Denmark, mm. in our house called Gellerup. And, you know, she's looking at, at the way of their sort of cultural practices and particularly through music and song that while they are all different, coming from all different parts of the world and she's also looking at the impact of the sort of huge migration from the Middle East to Europe that's having, you know, huge social and political consequences and sort of saying, well, look, we need to look at that. Well, how how do we all live together and, and play play the one one song, or you know that we can not necessarily play one song, but we can all look at and, and each of us can contribute in our own um, special and different way. And I think that's um, that's often the provocation that an artist makes to us. You know, here is the contribution I have made. Um, what will your response be? I think that's um, I think that's one of the really invigorating experiences of, of, of simply uh, visiting a gallery, exploring working public space. That when you've um, chosen to go on that adventure, I think on a uh, to, to explore a biennial, um, it's also very much about your response. I think as uh, as an audience member, and this, of course, um, thinking about artists and audiences. Um, has been part of your work for many years. You've um, worked in a range of different contexts um, in, in, in the arts, in government, um, uh, directing galleries and museums, curating um, many, many, many exhibitions 
here and around the world. Um, tell us about, I guess, in, in, in coming to the point of um, um, being with Samstag, you've been the founding director of the Uncle Samstag Museum yeah. of Art um, since 2007, in also in the context of a university which is, I think, increasingly, and I've been very pleased to see this more and more, increasingly universities are recognising their role to foster rigorous discussion between thinkers and researchers and the public and your work of course has been about doing that in so many different ways um, largely um, with a focus on on curation and in um, in supporting and orienting artists to think about fostering those rigorous conversations um, tell us are there particular um, key turning point or points of generative tension across your career that you were really delighted to in, invest in, and, and, and reflect upon and see reflected um, in the biennial because for all the reasons we discussed, the biennial is just, it's an extraordinary undertaking and one that positions itself as articulating divided worlds is also um, ambitious and, and, and provocative. So what, what have been, I guess, the career reflection learnings and and, um, and and insights for you in approaching this in particular? Oh, look, I've got a lot of lessons to take away. <laughs> um, and, you know, probably reflecting on that point you made earlier about Patricia Piccinini, that it might be another 10 years before she gets an opportunity to exhibit in a state gallery or, or mm. participate in a major exhibition. I guess it's the same for... Uh, curatorial practice as well. You know, I guess why we're all drawn to to visual arts is that of I think of all the art forms, visual arts is is the art form that really um, is about sort of difference. It's constantly reinventing itself, and the visual yeah, arts are, as a as an art form do take in a lot of other sort of influences and practices, and you know that. That, and I think that was something that came out with the biennial is that a number of artists are sort of working on that sort of liminal edge between what we would sort of traditionally call visual arts practice and say filmmaking and that's really the background of Amos Gebhardt and Douglas Watkin and you know sort of pushing the boundaries between say art and theatre or art and film and you know, visual art and craft practice and constantly sort of testing all of those mm. sort of areas. Even an artist like Maria Fernanda Cardoso, who is looking at, you know, the that intersection between art and science and nature. And, you know, visual artists are incredibly inquisitive and imaginative. And, you know, I think the biennial is as much a celebration of imagination and... Mm. You know that that is something that all the artists bring to the table, and I think indeed visual arts. And I think that was something I was really hoping to tap into was, you know, that just to um, take take stock and take a moment to celebrate that idea of imagination. I think that's um, I think that word imagination is 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 not one we hear often enough in the arts these days. I mean, there's um, imagination in what, in what we foster in each other. There's, there's curiosity. Um, but I think that's a, a terribly important point that you make because it's something that we want to sustain through our own careers as well, you know, no, no, no matter what uh, 
know, not, not knowing what comes next, as, as we were saying, but, 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 to, but to sustain that as something that's valuable to us. It's so important, well, isn't it? Absolutely. Imagination really is um, at the heart of it. It's really what makes us human. Mm. You know, that's really what sort of, I guess, distinguishes us in, in you know, from other animals is, is that it, while we are very connected and I think that we have lost a lot of connection between, you know, our, ourselves and, and nature and where we come from, you know, imagination is something that we, that humans have, have this incredible ability to do, to think, to project about the future, to think about the past, to think about, yes, another world. And that's really, for me, what what is so wonderful about art and that's why art and culture is so important to, um, you know, to our societies and really for civilization. I think, um, you know, in terms of moving forward is that ability to, to you know, conceive of another world, to conceive of a future and to then be imaginative in the way that you think, well, how are we going to sort of realise this? And hopefully we're, you know, looking to project ourselves to, you know, a, a wonderful, you know, a, a better world. You know, and at the moment I think, um, you know, civilization does sort of hover between, you know, all that is good but also then, you know, Armageddon is always, you know, very close close by as well. Yes, and that is a that is a rousing but also foreboding reason for us to get over to Adelaide before the third of June and explore the Adelaide Biennial of Australian Art. I think that, that sense of um of of what is expansive and um what is also um, increasingly terrifying about global politics at the moment makes divided worlds incredibly timely. And what you're saying about imagination and and nature and the way that we understand ourselves as being part of not just a divided world but of one big complex ecosystem and we have that opportunity to experience work that artists are presenting um, uh, in gardens, in the world, as well as in, in spaces, conventional and unconventional. So, Erica, thank you so much for talking to me today. And I can't wait to go and experience the biennial. Head to our website, visualarts.net.au, for more information on NAVA's advocacy and campaigns for improving the working environment for Australian artists and arts organisations.